0: We're all recording from different land today. So I'm recording from the land of the Michumbul and the Durrumbul people,
1: and I am recording from the land of the Yugambeh people. I'm on the lands of the Jajaborong people of the Kulin Nation. We all wish to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This always was and
0: always will be Aboriginal land. Patty Kinnisley is the CEO of Our Watch, Australia's national organisation for the prevention of violence against women and children. She's also on the board of directors at her beloved Carlton Football Club, where she's heavily involved in the club's AFLW and BFLW teams, as well as Carlton's flagship community program, Carlton Respects. Paddy's own footballing pursuits are too good not to mention balancing an incredible corporate career with a 14-year VWFL playing career, including five premierships and representing Victoria on 10 occasions twice as captain. Paddy is the perfect person to help us examine gender equality and violence against women and children and the positive influences that sport and sporting role models, like many of our guests, can have on our society. This episode of The Significant Others covers discussions around gendered violence, violence against women and children, and inequality. Whilst there are no personal accounts of violence in this episode, we do understand that this still may be difficult to listen to for some listeners. So many
1: of the conversations that we've been having with our guests, Hester, touch on Gender equality. It just seems to be like across the board, no matter the topic, there's sort of that underlying current about it. So, having a conversation with our guests that aren't experts in that field, but we can all relate Mm. to, I think has been really eye opening for me just how consistent that is. So having the opportunity to speak to someone like Patty and she's really connected so many of those dots like she she kind of blows my mind and it is just ticking over and I'm just remembering all of the little snippets of conversations we've had over the last few weeks and months. That it's just so interconnected and they all cross paths at some point. So we're so lucky to have someone like Patty come on and give us this expertise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And joining those dots is really important and it's great to be having conversations. And I think it feels really good to go deep into them and definitely to feel like I've learned something, not just about our guests, or not just about Patty, but about society in general and to, you know, evaluate and reevaluate what we're doing and, and what we can keep doing.
1: Yeah and I, and that's I guess been feedback as well from a lot of our listeners which we've really enjoyed is just how connected they feel and that they've had similar experiences because we're just having a chat with someone that you might you know bump into it in the coffee line and you get talking. Some of them are incredible experiences and some of them are just really normal and really simple life experiences so that we can all relate to.
0: Yeah. And I think Patty has such a friendly approach and you you can really feel like you can ask her questions and learn from her without judgment, Mm. which I think is really important.
1: Absolutely. Without judgment. I do love how she talks. You know, she's obviously very knowledgeable in this area. She's brilliant but also acknowledges that she doesn't know everything and she's still learning in this space too which we're all doing and that really kind of takes that pressure off when you're having these conversations that you can have the conversation and you can be wrong and you can be learning all of the time i feel like someone like her who is the ceo of this organization still learning gives me confidence to be in this space
0: Hmm. i also love how she has and the organization does look at further intersections of disadvantage so we're not only talking about a problem that belongs to white women here and we really shouldn't be talking about it like that. I love how, Mm. you know, our watch is heavily involved with looking at further intersections that cross over with gender inequality. You know, we are talking about racism, we are talking about homophobia, transphobia, all of those things are very relevant in this conversation and, and that the gender binary is having an effect on everyone and everybody is more than just men and women too
1: Mm, also ableism is one that we don't talk about often enough very true that's sort of the next conversation I feel in the community and society in general is that we still really need to bring people with disabilities into that conversation and acknowledge that they have a whole lot of other challenges on top of all of the gendered issues that we have been talking about
0: absolutely I agree and I think it's so important that our watch does that work In the next couple of weeks on the podcast, we're going to be taking a particular analysis of our interviews, and that's going to focus on gender equality. All of our interviews, I suppose, are focusing on gender equality. That's kind of the point of the podcast, but... This time, we have with us the incredible Patty Kinnersley of Our Watch, who's going to assist us in understanding the broader ramifications of the language and the behaviors that we experience and model. So, welcome, Patty, and thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, thanks very much. It's a real privilege to be on with you two. I've been following your podcasts, and uh, I actually think that you've been covering the conversations around gender equality really beautifully just through speaking, or you're sharing your own experiences and speaking with other women mainly. Can you
1: tell us about Our Watch and what the organisation does? Sure. Our
2: Watch is a national not-for-profit organisation that focuses on the prevention of violence against women and their children. So typically we're not working with women who might be victims of violence or men who may choose to use violence. We're actually working to change the underlying drivers or the underlying circumstances that bring us to a place where we have such violence in this country. So we're working with policymakers around gender equality in their policies. We're working with sporting organisations, with workplaces, with education settings in the media to promote gender equality because we know that if we promote gender equality in all of the places we spend our time, we will contribute to uh, less violence against women. I'm the um, Chief Executive Officer and I've been with Our Watch for nearly six years and the last two and a half of those as the CEO
1: it's pretty great when we get to speak to a female CEO. We love it.
2: Yeah, it's a huge. I find it a huge privilege to be in this role and I love it. I love it every day. I love that I'm working with amazing people who are so passionate and reaching out into the community that's interested in, in their contribution to gender equality and preventing violence against women in ways that I don't think they have been in the past. So if I had a tail, I'd wag it. I really love the opportunity to lead this very special organisation and connect with people like you. As you know, Hester is a our watch ambassador and we're just so fortunate Mm -hmm. to have her on board
0: so patty you talked a bit about yeah reaching out to people and what about people who want to reach out in the gender equality space or to our watch what can people do to get involved or be a part of the change
2: it's a really important message i think hester that we um everybody has a role so i think in the past people have been scared about Work around gender equality or preventing violence against women because they felt like it was a bit scary and over there, or it only happens behind closed doors, or it's between a man and a woman, or they don't know what to say or what have you. We're moving to a much more, much healthier place where people are understanding that it's everybody's work. So whether you're a parent, a sports coach, you're in the media, you're you're a CEO, you're at this, on the CFA or the, you know the netball netball club committee or whatever, everybody's got a job to do to promote gender equality. Um, in their sphere of influence it all starts with us it all starts with what do I think about this how what's my reflection on this what can I learn who do I need to speak with but we all have a sphere of influence so if you're the sports coach you actually Get to promote women and girls in your club, or you get to pick up on your own language around things like, "Oh, you kick like a girl." You know, if you're a CEO, you get to look at your policies and procedures and make sure that they're gender are equitable. There's just everybody has something that they can do, and there's always somebody to talk to as well. So they can jump on the Outreach website, and there's lots of tools and resources there. But you can reach out to a whole range of people and say, "Gee, what do I need to do to do this better?" And it can even be right at home how we're bringing up our children, how we're talking to each other as the two adults in the house. So it's kind of exciting because everyone has a role in this work. I've just very
1: recently, I think, been unpacking a lot of things in the community and my general life and how I was brought up and just that undercurrent, that subtle sexism in the world. I think we're all actually waking up to since having children, especially I've done a lot of learning something like our watch. You know, it is preventative Mm -hmm. because we're talking about respect and it's not seen enough. We see so often the aftermath of violence against women and children and domestic violence and and hear about all of those services, but our watch trying to get in first and really change the structure of society and the way that we raise our children as well is specifically something that I've looked to them for guidance. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's right. No, that's, that's definitely right. I think what you're saying is a lot of people don't recognize the connection between gender inequality and violence against women and children. To a lot of people, that's really new information and we're not perhaps unpacking that link as much as we could be are we Patty Yeah it's a great
2: point and your point um, Marnie, is really important that you we just we grow up we grow up in our circumstance and you know for most of us we've loved and we have opportunities and so forth and I know that that's a particular experience and not everyone has that experience but we just grow up in the mm-hmm. soup we don't necessarily question it so much and there is a relationship between the foundations of gender inequality and violence against women The one thing I would say in this conversation and in any conversation we have is that I do think it's important to bring a fair amount of compassion to the conversation, compassion for ourselves as we learn and Mm -hmm. for others. Because if you think about, if we accept that we are brought up in a certain set of circumstances and we see a certain way of living around us in everything, on the television, in our parents, school and sport and so forth, and then we start to unreal that or unroll that, it's really important that we don't say they were bad or my parents were bad or my school was bad or i'm bad but actually go Mm -hmm. right okay i'm learning something new here this is really important Um, it doesn't mean i was bad before because community attitudes are changing we're learning more but now how do i go about you know, helping support change, whether that's as a parent or as the prime minister. Um, so I think it's a really important conversation that you two are having.
0: That makes it a lot more accessible for people too, doesn't it, Patty? To be kind and gentle on ourselves and say we're not going to get this 100% right 100% of the time, or we don't expect ourselves to go from zero to 100. We can we can learn things slowly and and have a greater understanding. In this area as we go and as we get comfortable becoming activists for change in our own lives
2: totally uh, i don't know anybody including myself who's very keen to make change when i'm being criticized at the same time we have to have these conversations with people where they are with a view to moving forward positively uh, and learning together and using you know the old thing about start where people are use language that's accessible. Our watch is responsible for setting a really high bar. We're evidence-based, we're cutting edge, we're leading work, not only in Australia, around the world. But sometimes we have to, well, I think it's really important, especially I'm a rural person myself, so I'm kind of, I had the the practical strip very strongly through me. We need to use language Mm -hmm. that works for people. That doesn't isolate them. That doesn't exclude them from the conversation. What I what I say is bringing compassion to this conversation is absolutely vital.
0: We had a fantastic interview this week with Ben O'Neill, and I think this is something that he did such a good job of actually. And he talked about himself in a very compassionate way, and in the way that he feels like he's developed in this area. He sort of said, I was probably a bit selfish in my youth, not in a bad way, just in that I was busy learning about myself before I I looked outward. And now I'm starting to learn more and more. And as I have children and particularly my daughter, I'm learning about the benefits of modeling diverse gender roles at home and of women in sport and all of those kinds of things. So Ben spoke to us a fair bit about gender norms and stereotypes. Can you tell us about the kind of effect that they can have within our society?
2: Yeah, they're really important and we apply them as soon as children are born, if not before. You know, if it's a it's a kind of a crude analysis, but, you know, when we paint the room blue or the pink before the child's born, we're already starting to do that. So we apply a set of almost a set of rules and constructs to children right from the start about what we expect them to do, to be, how to behave based on them being a girl or a boy. Not everyone does this, not everyone does this to the same extent, but as a community we do that. Isn't she gorgeous? Isn't he a brave little man? You know, you help mum in the kitchen, come and help me take the bin out. There's even even evidence suggests that little boys get more pocket money than little girls because they're doing the more important, you know, man work. And so right from a really early age, the evidence is really strong that little boys know that they will grow up to be the boss and they should be the boss of women and and they'll be strong and they'll be the ones on television and they'll be the ones who make decisions and so forth. And little girls have the notion that they really need to be pretty and they need to behave in a certain way. And those stereotypes set children off on a path that impacts the rest of their life based only on a set of constructs because we know that talent is evenly distributed, innovation, you know, we know that brilliance and all of these things are evenly distributed between women and men. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. And really the difference is about... Aside from physical strength, which is a, you know, hormonal testosterone, et cetera, et cetera, there is no difference between men and women in terms of their capability. But right from the start, we set them off on, we set children off on different paths. And that follows us through the rest of our life to the type of sport we might play, to the type of units we might study in school, the, the jobs we might get. And then, even then, who should be the boss and all those sorts of things. You can see all the problems with that and you can unroll those problems right through to women retiring in poverty because they've been encouraged to do jobs that are lower paid and less respected, like childcare, aged care, disability, and some of those things that we actually know through COVID have been incredibly important. Mm -hmm. We don't set up policies and procedures that support women and men to take equal amounts of parental leave. And the conversation about, well, we did have a conversation and he was earning more, so it made more sense. Even that, if you unroll, that is a bit flawed because He's earning more usually because he's in a job that's more respected or paid more, um, and women have are in the less paid roles. So even that's not an even playing field conversation. Then she has lost access to superannuation, comes back into the workforce in a lesser paid role, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right through to where we have the situation where older women are the fastest growing group of people going into homelessness. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has a huge impact on our life, and actually it's constructed because now that we look at you know, look at a young woman who's encouraged to study or be whatever she wants. And she can actually be the prime minister. She can work in mining and construction. She can play AFL football. So we've actually limited half of our population based on a constructed idea of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman.
0: Could you tell us, Patty, what impact that has on violence? Yeah, great
2: question. So there are many forms of masculinity and femininity, as we all know, and uh, I don't know your upbringing here but Marnie, um, Marnie I know you're from a rural community so you're probably like me that my version of, mas- of femininity goes all the way from chainsawing to wearing a frock and that's all me you know <laughs> so I've got this really wide range that's that I love I love that I can be all those things but and men are the same men can be everything but actually there's a dominant form of masculinity in, in this conversation that can be harmful. So the dominant form of masculinity is the one that says that men should be in control, should be aggressive, should be tough, should take risks, should be stoic. They suppress their emotions. The dominant form of sexuality is heterosexuality. And so that form of masculinity of itself, you might say, well, that's that's on the spectrum, that's one version. But it is a harmful version and it's also the version that we in our minds, as a community, support men to be. We think men should be that; they should be tough and stoic and in charge, and so forth. Now, that men who adhere rigidly to that form of masculinity—so that's the form they think is right; it's the form they will be; it belongs to men; it doesn't belong to doesn't belong to women. That form of masculinity rigidly adhered to is problematic. It's problematic for those men because they are less likely to. Be. help. They're more likely to show up in the stats about risk-taking behaviours, suicide, Mm -hmm. um, alcohol and drug use, all of those sorts of things. But those men are also likely to hold attitudes and behaviours of disrespect towards women and more likely to perpetrate violence. They're also more likely to perpetrate other forms of discrimination like homophobia and racism and, and so forth. So the problem with this form of masculinity is that society says one way or another that that's the form we appreciate most and we think men should be and then the men who who rigidly adhere to that are the ones who are more likely to cause harm to themselves and in this conversation cause harm to women so we have to really start unpicking this rigid form of masculinity that is so harmful to not only women and girls, but to men.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the roles that are put on you know, women and mothers but perhaps not fathers and what we can do to level up that playing field at home?
2: Yeah, it's really important and it goes back to the stereotypes conversation and I've certainly picked it as a thread through your earlier conversations with other people, that we think that women and women should be doing the caring. Still, even through COVID, are, are carrying the dominant Uh, role in household work in care whether it's care for children care for older people that they should be taking the time off to bring up children uh, you know shopping all those things that have been assigned to be women's work whereas in fact it is just work it's not you don't have to be a woman to do any of those things and I actually think it's quite disrespectful towards men because men are more than capable of doing all of those things and to being amazing carers and all of those sorts of things. But the impact is that women, and you hear, you'll hear you hear this for girls, where they go, oh, my, my brother gets to go out and do stuff and I have to stay home and help mum with this. Or my brother's allowed to go out in this and I have to do this you know, household work. And we talk about the emotional load where women are still taking that role and men aren't. But it's, it really impacts when we talk about who's going to care for children beyond childbirth. Clearly women need to do childbirth and breastfeeding. But beyond that caring is just caring it doesn't need to be a woman or a man and so I think at home Hester there's really important things we can do about who's doing which jobs and what children are seeing the adults in the house do you know do we have have we accidentally got boy jobs and girl jobs and actually we can we can unflip that so it's a real examination of what you're doing and then making change to that it's about the language about mum will do, go and talk to your mother about that or go and talk to your father about that and actually doesn't need to be assigned in that way. But it's also back to the sort of earlier point about prevention belongs to everybody and it is structural. We do need things like in sport, the AFL making structural changes that allow for women to play or in workplaces what does parental leave look like? We shouldn't be having maternity leave. We should be having parental leave and we must make it as acceptable and available to men as women. And that actually takes some cultural change in organisations right back to the, well, what do you mean you're looking after the child? What's your wife doing? Who's wearing the pants here? All of that stuff, which I'm sure Ben touched on. and the, Absolutely. Yeah, the, attack on, <laughs> yeah, the attack on his masculinity because he's choosing to care for his own children, you know, like it's absolutely ridiculous when you underline it when you say it out loud but that means that we have to keep working on this notion that that it is absolutely great it's right for men to be carers it's normal for them to be carers Um, what are the structures in place so what is what is a parental leave the pay gap comes into this conversation so that that couples aren't making the decision on who's earning more money and it's usually the man because roles that men are in are more respected but actually go back to the start and say well we supported them to go into those roles in the first place because we said that maths and science and construction was for boys and nursing and teaching is for girls. So you can see how all this stuff is mutually reinforcing, but it's just so important that men have the opportunity to care for their children and, and, the, and their elderly parents and anyone else, but that we put the structures in place to enable that.
0: I think sometimes we can even go the other way and over-celebrate men for doing roles that women have done for centuries there's a dad at the playground with his kid, like what an amazing, unbelievable father, but we'd never say that about the woman right next to him with her kid.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a trap and it's even a trap in this work where we often, and I stay away from this, but you'll often hear people say, think of your wives, think of your daughters, think of your mothers. I'm like, well, yes, but actually yeah. mm. do this because it's the right thing. Um, and so yes. I think it is, a. I hear people talking about, men babysitting, well, are they babysitting, they're parents. So I'm, I'm a woman free from children, I might say. So i come to you from an aunt's perspective. I think you're right, Hester, that we need to be mindful that we don't go over the top and just actually say, well, of course men can be carers. Men are carers. Men should be carers of their own children or their own parents or their own partners or what have you. So I think it, I think there is a real balance there.
0: Yeah, I loved that about Ben in his interview. I feel like he was very much like, don't give me a round of applause. I'm just being a father and I want to take the nice jobs and I want to take the stinky jobs and I want to <laughs> do it all.
2: We, we need to just keep normalising that women and men mostly bring children into the world and, of course, there's a range of other ways that, that happens now. And there are always adults involved so but the adults involved in bringing children to the world take on that caring role and responsibility seems quite logical to me i think it's something we just need to keep really promoting and normalizing
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the significant others but don't worry we are not finished talking to the incredible paddy kennensley we asked paddy to join us to cover two of our upcoming episodes so we've been privileged to have her help us break down our episode and the themes that ben o'neill brought up next week we're very excited to bring you an interview with the wonderful carla roden carla also discussed some really important topics when it comes to gender equality and has also worked with our watch in the past so we're very excited to say that you'll be hearing more from patty next week when she helps us break down the next episode Thank you for listening to The Significant Others Podcast. If you have any suggestions of guests you'd like us to interview, please let us know and come follow us on Instagram at The Significant Others Podcast.